The Lifestylist, episode 114, featuring Quantified Bob. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. I want to take a minute to remind you to check out Clear Light Saunas. If you go to HealWithHeat.com, enter the code Luke, you're going to save 450 bucks. get free shipping and a free backrest if you just mention my name, like Hollywood style, just drop my name. Say, yo, I know Luke, I know the guy at the door, he does a little something, something, you know what I mean? Or you can just call them at 800-317-5070. That's healwithheat.com. Use the code Luke. Now, why do I like Clear Light Saunas? Why am I so sprung on this particular company? I'll tell you why. They're low EMF, no chemically treated wood, no paint, no varnish, no glue, no off-gassing. They all come with chromotherapy lighting. They come with a Bluetooth sound system and ceiling speakers. They don't use any manufactured wood, even the places where you don't see the wood. So there's no plywood, veneers, particle board, no funky, weird stuff. They also have a solid wood floor, which is really cool. And there's heaters underneath. So you're getting that infrared heat from underneath your feet on all sides of your legs, all sides of your body. You're surrounded by this amazing healing infrared light. A lot of other saunas have slatted floors, and so like insects, dust, and sweat and crap drops through there, and it's just nasty. So I like the solid wood floor. Another awesome thing about Clear Light is they have a 100% lifetime warranty for the entire sauna and all its components for the life of the original owner. So if you buy one of these units, which start at $24.95, and then you're gonna get a big discount if you know me, it's covered for as long as you're alive. Now, if you hand it down to your kids, I don't know, you're on your own. <laughs> but as long as you're alive, if you bought the sauna, you're covered. And a lot of these sauna companies, I'm telling you, you got to watch out for. Not only do they have really high EMFs, which means really bad electricity that's firing at you, um, but they also have a really bad lifetime. I'm using air quotes, warranty. And if you read the fine print, it will say the lifetime is defined as seven years or something funky like that. So these guys don't play games. They're a really great company. They're family owned. They're super easy to deal with, super friendly. And again, all you have to do is call them at 800-317-5070 or go to healwithheat.com and use the code Luke and you're going to get straight hooked up. They've got indoor and outdoor units. They're my favorite thing in the world. So you are welcome. Enjoy that. And remember, if you want to learn even more about infrared saunas, you can take a time trip back to episode 24 and you can hear an entire show about just that. Okay, I've got something really cool to share with you, and that is my latest find in the biohacking tech world. If you follow me on social media or you listen to the show, you know I'm always looking for the latest and greatest when it comes to technologies with which to improve my health. 
And I recently stumbled across something called a Juve. That's spelled J-O-O-V-V. And the Juve is a red light therapy device that you use in your home. And that's what people always see on my social media. And they ask me, what the hell is that red light behind you? Or I'm going to tell you about it. Check it out. Let me break it down like this. So just like whole food can be broken down into different vitamins and minerals, well, sunlight can be broken down into different colors. So just like the nutrients in whole food, each color of sunlight has its own effect on our bodies. This is why you feel so awesome when you get out into the sun, right? Well, each color of the sun spectrum has its own unique properties, and each one penetrates your body and benefits your body in different ways. So once your body absorbs this light, the energy is converted into cellular energy, which kicks off a series of metabolic events like the formation of new capillaries, elevated production of collagen, and the release of ATP, which is the stuff that gives you shit tons of energy. So red light therapy sounds a little crazy, but it's been approved by the FDA and its effectiveness is studied all over the world. So basically in the world of science, medicine, biohacking, it's irrefutable that red light therapy really works. Some of the benefits include repairing sun damage. Now, I'm someone that likes to get out in the sun as much as possible, and I don't want to look 85 years old when I'm still in my 40s. So it reduces wrinkles, it enhances muscle recovery and peak performance, heals acne and other blemishes, fades scars and stretch marks, speeds up wound healing. I just use mine to actually heal uh, a dental implant that I got, and that shit was healed up in like three days. It was crazy, and it increased increases testosterone production. So it's a really cool technology. Essentially, you just stand in front of this really powerful red light. It feels really good. It only takes a few minutes a day and the benefits are insane. Like my energy is off the charts. So if you want to check it out, here's the deal. Go to juve.com. That's J-O-O-V-V.com. And as always, I've got a hookup for you. $25 off if you decide to order one of these gadgets for yourself. The audience code that you want to put in the cart is a lifestylist. So that's $25 off using the code lifestylist. The website is juve.com, the next level of red light therapy. It's also worth noting that these units on the professional medical side can cost upwards of fifty dollars to $100,000. So the guys at Juve have figured out a way to make this affordable for the consumer in-home use model, and their units start at under $1,000. It's pretty rad. So again, go to juve.com, enter the code lifestylist, and save 25 bucks off your order. What is up, geeks and freaks? It's Luke, back at you with another episode of The Lifestylist Podcast. Today's guest is Quantified Bob, recorded in New York City. And this is one of those episodes that you're really going to want to pay attention to. So Quantified Bob, or Bob Troya, as he's called on his birth certificate, is one of these human laboratory-style biohackers. So he meticulously tracks his health and his fitness, and then he reports on the results in his content, which is vast. So over at his website, I'm always geeking out on the latest detox protocol or results he's getting with this biohacking device and that. Like he's he's a brother from another mother, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're super geeks. He's just a lot more scientific about his model, so it's fun to follow his stuff. So I was really excited to sit down with him and have this discussion. So Quantified Bob is really like a quantified self master and teacher. He's a really brilliant and a really cool guy. I was expecting him to be a bit more serious, but we had some fun. The topics we discuss in this conversation are as follows. Checking cortisol and adrenals for sleep and energy disorders. The truth about ketone supplements and how to use them safely. What are the best tracking devices for sleep? mastering deep ketosis and the possible risks of doing it wrong. 
the hottest current self-tracking devices, the power of niacin sauna detoxes, then measuring indoor EMF levels and actually testing the level of EMF in my recording headphones, which will shock you to hear the results. Really scary stuff. Testing your indoor air and water, and then why the Aura Ring and other worn tracking devices are so useful to biohackers and which ones work the best. The Bulletproof Diet and analyzing his amazing results with that diet. And then we ask the question, does grounding or earthing technology actually work or is it whack science? And then we conclude the interview with this thoughtful question. How do you find balance between self-obsession and caring about your health? It's one thing to be a biohacker, but you still got to be out and live in the world. And we talk quite a bit about that. So this is a really fun episode. Uh, before we get into that, I'd like to invite you to come over to my brand new Facebook group. We've got a group for me, you, the listeners, the guests to all convene in one place, ask questions, propose ideas, answer questions, post great links and things that we're all finding. The group's growing fast. It's a lot of fun. I do my very best to check in there every day and provide some useful information or at least something entertaining. And then uh, don't forget to check in on New Year's Eve. We're doing tons of episodes in December. You know what I'm saying? We got all these bonus episodes for you. So it's another bootleg broadcast of your old pal Luke live from Aspen Shakti. And I'm going to tell you this episode coming up is probably the most <laughs> intimate and revealing public talk or podcast I've ever done. So I think you might enjoy that. And, uh, and then there's one last request, and that's if you could go in the podcast app on your phone and leave a review. They made it really easily, finally, to put five stars on my podcast and to leave a quick review about what you think about the show. This really helps me in my iTunes rating. So if you're on uh, an iPhone and you're using the native podcast app, just scroll down and you'll see where you can rate and review. I would greatly appreciate it. So welcome to the new listeners. Welcome back to the old listeners. Now all I need you to do is to sit back, kick your feet up, and take in the universe that is Quantified Bob. Welcome to the show, Bob. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, I'm stoked. So uh, you live over in Williamsburg, huh? Yep, just uh, not too far from here. Well, cool, dude. Thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. We're going to talk about some serious biohacking. And I've interviewed, you know, a lot of biohackers. You're Jack Cruz, Ben Greenfield, some of the guys that are really deep into this stuff, Dave Asprey. But what I haven't really covered is someone who does a lot of tracking. So with you today, what I want to do is I want to dive into not just shit that you do that makes you feel good and be healthy, but actually tracking it to see if what you're doing works <laughs> because people yep. always ask me i'm like i think i feel good i mean i got a lot of energy i'm recording like 15 podcasts in a week in new york i'm running around like a maniac i feel pretty damn energetic for a 46 year old but you actually track everything so let's start at the beginning how did you even get into all of this wacky health stuff well i've always been uh kind of a curious mind um, my background early on was more being an athlete so a focus on performance and tracking workouts and diet and things like that in terms of optimizing for, for that level of things. I've also always been a technologist, um, building things, software, internet type of things. So for me, it was kind of marrying two passions. It's the love of <laughs> trying to optimize yourself and, and look for performance and in later years, you know, looking towards longevity, but um, also figuring out ways to, you know, essentially biohacking, hacking the system, figuring out ways to get the biggest bang for your buck, so to speak. And, um, and for me, 
you know, having, I'm a curious mind, but I'm also like, you have to really convince me that things do or don't work. So I, I like to really put things through the ringer in terms of looking at data and seeing, does it really have a benefit for myself? Right. And then, okay, that's cool. Because I am more of an intuitive that sort of follows nature, you know? So if I get in an infrared sauna, I go, well, I'm, I'm getting the same infrared essentially that's coming from the sun or my juve red light thing, same thing. Uh, cold exposure, like all the stuff that I do kind of physically um, in one form or another mimics nature. And so I'm always trying to bring myself back into a natural state in a totally unnatural environment. And it's, would you say it's pretty much impossible no matter where you live to actually live like a natural human at this point, you know, the way our technology's taken over the world? Yeah. I mean, I, about two years ago, I went away for five days out in the middle of like West, West Texas by the Rio Grande. It was like off the grid for five days, like didn't see another human being, no Wi-Fi, no airplanes flying over, no anything. So I was just completely disconnected from that, but connected to nature. And I noticed how like just that effect on my body and sleep and, and how that all changed just for those five days. And then when I came back to the city, I realized you're back in this environment and <laughs> you're kind of just putting up all these stressors you're being bombarded with all day. So I, um, yeah, I think it's really almost impossible, I would say these days to totally be like that disconnected. Um, you know, it's really what I, my focus from a lot of the tracking and things I do is trying to figure out ways to mitigate what's going on around me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, me you know, too. we can, we can sit there and optimize ourselves and our health and eat, eat well and, and all of that. But if the environment around us is just destroying us and, you know, it's like we, the best we can do is try to figure out ways to, to just, you know, again, uh, mitigate that. When you got into the health stuff, uh, what was the first thing? Like, have you gone through phases of, you know, you tried to be a raw vegan and then did paleo and then this and then that, or have you kind of found, you know, did you find what worked from the get go? No, I, I would say, you know, when I was in a teenager and in the college, like a lot of this information, even the tools and that we have today are just didn't exist. And so a lot of it was, you read something in a magazine or you, you go to the library and find something and you have to kind of learn about nutrition, learn about all these things on your own. It wasn't really, that information wasn't really that far out there. I was kind of the atypical like hard gainer growing up. So I was, I was like, oh, how do I gain muscle? How do I, you know, I want to be an athlete. And, and so you're trying certain supplements or protein powders and, and you try different workout types and, and seeing what would work for you. Um, as, as I got a bit older and out of school in my professional life, uh, you know, I had to be this high performing individual. I was, uh, I had started several of my own companies. I had to kind of be on point all the time. And I hit a, I hit a moment where, um, things were all going great, but I, I just felt like crap. And I, on the outside, I, I, I think I looked okay. Like, I mean, I was, I, in terms of physical like appearance and all of that, but I just had no energy. I was just, just think it was kind of a bit overwhelmed. And then it kind of got me down the rabbit hole of, of really kind of understanding more about what's going on in the inside in terms of peeling back the layers of the onion, dealing with everything from dysfunction with different organs and systems or passing you know, chronic infections and gut issues and all of that. And I, I had literally spent years and years just kind of like peeling it back, peeling it back, peeling it back and trying to address it. And so in terms of phases, I would say I kind of went from the, like the beginning was more like, you know, change your diet. So it wasn't that I was a raw vegan or vegetarian. Even I ate what I thought was healthy. It was like lean protein, little to no fat, you know, it's, you know, that's what you're kind of taught to like eat. That was healthy. And I realized like that was having just immense effects on like hormonal systems and all of that. And once I kind of switched over to what you'd call more of a paleo diet or diet or bulletproof diet, and I was adding all these healthy fats back in kind of really changing the way I ate, it just had an immediate like impact. 
and that worked for a while and I made tweaks to what I was doing to, based on my own personal situations. And then what I saw was, you know, things go deeper than that. So then I start getting down to like what you want to call like, you know, quantum biology and other types of physiology. So like, I'm kind of saying like, it's not about eating food. It's about the electrons in the food. And what are the processes that are really happening? Like really, really far down, you know, once you take a bite of that, you know, piece of steak, like, so, um, that kind of, for me got really, it was cool and exciting. Cause it was like, kind of blew my mind a little bit to think about the way things can work and on a much different level at a very low level. Um, Especially if you have an interest in an aptitude for tech, you know, when you start getting into like, oh, eat broccoli and grass-fed beef. Okay, we got that, you know, but like yeah. diving a little bit deeper, I'm sure for you has been really fun, obviously. And that's why, you know, I mean, if you look at your site, dude, the shit that you're tracking is just insane. Like, you know, it's like a very dedicated approach people often tell me that i'm pretty extreme with all my practices and gadgets and stuff and i'm like it's a hobby dude it's fun it's what i'm passionate about you know i just did a video here in new york about how to hack your hotel room and in air travel you know and it's like i'm getting these comments on instagram like how do you ever have a girlfriend I'm like well i don't maybe that's why <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> this shit is fun to me it's like it's not like a chore to travel with all my stuff and all my gear it's like this is what i do for fun or it's you like, find a very forgiving girlfriend no, i've had a i've had a i've had a couple of those you know what's funny you just got to like when you're you know how you you sell a girlfriend on it is when um, when she's got cramps you put her on the biomat cramps gone sold that was i've like convinced a couple of them using that like if they have a problem and they get curious about it you can win them over but point being is that i i just love having all this stuff because i want to feel really good and i want to perform at the highest level so anyway um so i want to get into a lot of the tech stuff and specifically as i said the tracking with you because that's something i've never really done a because i just I don't know. I don't have a technical enough brain, I think, to do all that. So I look at other people's tracking. I look at the studies. You know, I glance over that stuff to make sure whatever I'm doing doesn't have any, you know, major side effects. Or I don't want to recommend things to people on my show that could potentially hurt them. And if I do, I warn them, hey, don't do what I do. I mean, don't do what I do. Do as, wait, what's the word? Do as I say, not as I do. That's right. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Like modafinil and stuff like that. I mean, I don't think that's for everyone. You know, there's some shit that I do that's like my thing. Um, but I do want to cover the food piece. Now, I get a little bit bored with that, but I want to cover it for the benefit of the audience because I still think people have a really hard time understanding something like a modified paleo diet or epi-paleo diet or the bulletproof diet. People often ask me, what, what do I eat? And I think a lot of people have this misinterpretation that, if you're not a vegan or a vegetarian, which I used to be for a long, long time, that all you do is sit around and eating meat. It's the caveman paleo thing. And I follow, I guess if any diet, I don't really like to think of myself on a diet, but I'm into the bulletproof diet. I have the infographic laminated. Well, I used to have it on my fridge. Now I just kind of have it memorized. I know there's certain foods that are pretty low quality that are kind of you know down on the spectrum. And then there are higher quality foods based on mitochondrial function, really. That's what I'm going for. I want energy and clarity, and I don't want to have mold and toxins and pesticides and all that shit. So it's all organic, pretty high fat, high vegetable, and moderate protein, and it's cyclical ketosis. Like I'm in ketosis a lot of the time, but I don't check it. I just know, because I feel a little wired and I have a lot of energy. And then I'll eat berries or something at night and it brings me out of ketosis. So it's like cyclical. So I noticed on your site, you've quantified the results of that diet. And is, I'd like to hear about what your results were. And um, also if that's kind of still what you subscribe to at this point. 
Yeah, when I first came across uh, the Bulletproof diet, that was really my foray into that. Anything related to sort of paleo, the paleo-ish kind of uh, template. And uh, this was actually a few years back when I first started exploring, you know, that changing up my diet. I, you know, within 30 days, I saw some some improvements that, that were more like just feeling and energy levels and, and things like that. And then I went and set out to do like a, a more long form experiment where I was like, okay, we're going to track a whole bunch of stuff beforehand, a lot of lab work, do it for, let's say, uh, give it another couple months and then, and then retest. And, um, and, you know, there was pretty significant changes in terms of just increases to things like like hormonal things like testosterone boosting up. And, um, so you did, you did like a blood test before and then did a period of really strictly adhering to the bulletproof diet and it went up. Yeah, exactly. Tested after and it. Yeah. I mean, which totally makes sense because I was adding in a lot of healthy saturated fats, things that like are going to help your body go down the hormonal cascade to, to create all that stuff as well as, um, other things like, uh, vitamin D and just getting other, things in balance that maybe were out of whack just because my old way, what I thought was a healthy diet before was not, but it also exposed things. So like it showed when I retested, like I had leaky gut issues that were, um, sort of brought to light just through the diet and that's through testing as well. So the real initial length of time I was doing the, the bulletproof diet was really kind of for me, like an eye opener just to see like the changes, not just yeah, there's database changes like like lab testing, but the the how I felt and it just it was just like a shot of energy and all of that. But I also realized there were certain things I was doing like I started doing intermittent fasting, but I my lab tests were showing that I had like lots of thyroid issues. So it probably wasn't the smartest thing to continue doing intermittent fasting until the thyroid issues were addressed because it's adding additional stressors to the body. Even doing things like there's a test you can do. It's like an adrenal stress profile where you just it's like saliva based and you, you take a few. Oh, is that the, the saliva cortisol test? Yeah, is, and it, it, or is it that or something similar? It's I recently similar. did. Yeah, one of those. so you basically spit into like a tube several yeah, times throughout really the day, gross. <laughs> and, it create, and you create a you create a uh, it creates a graph showing like because you know your cortisol is normally at most at its highest uh, right when you wake up in the morning, but it wants and they put you in the range to see like where you are. So you might see like oh well things rise or they're they're elevated at a certain time of day versus being you know in line or too low. So a lot of a lot of the initial bulletproof diet based experiments were really just to see what effects it had on a lot of these these types of lab tests. And, um, and for me, like I didn't, I was just learning about all these tests. Like they weren't, um, things that I was learning about all this. Stuff. I, I, I was really kind of ignorant of a lot of it. So I had to kind of go down and, do, and read up on a lot of biology and physiology and things like that to really understand what's going on. And that's just me being, again, a, a curious mind. And how do you, uh, how do you, how does one get their labs? Like I belong to something called Parsley Health, which is a functional medicine membership site. I call it the Uber of functional medicine. You know, you, they have an app, they have a backend on the website, you can book all your appointments, they don't even have a phone number, which I love, like, you know, the old school doctor, like leaving you a voicemail, you can't understand their accent, all that shit. But uh, Parsley is cool, because you get a number of visits per year, it's like a subscription model, right? And then they order all your labs. And I won't say they like game the system, especially publicly, because I don't think they do anything unethical, but they know how to code your labs to get your regular medical insurance to cover a lot of it. Because if that stuff's coded wrong, then you pay a lot more out of pocket. So that's my method of like getting my labs done for as cheap as I can and and from the best companies. Because some companies do more accurate labs than others. So what's been your method of getting those labs done and how could people find a way to start testing themselves? Sure. For for baseline testing, I'm in New York City in New York State. And we unfortunately are like one of two states in the country that have really restrictive laws about um, any kind of lab testing. So you can probably just go online and go to any of these sites and 
handpick any tests you want, order them. And like there, there's companies like direct labs and that you can just a la carte be like, I want this, 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 they send it to you and you go do your test. New York, you can't do that. Um, wow. so New York and there's, and I thought it, at first I thought it was because some of the bigger lab companies were trying to protect their interests, but they're actually, they're going, they actually got fined a couple of years ago for trying to work directly to consumers in a, in a way. So I, when I started out, so I had, to go, I had to go through my doctor, but I found I found a good functional medicine, like someone that's kind of could do the order the testing for me and you know goes to insurance, like you said. Eventually, I, I connected with some folks in Massachusetts called uh, Inside Tracker, and they're they're another uh, lab testing service, uh, and they they do these great panels and analysis, and 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 they have a cool dashboard of you know when you look at your data. Um, so what they did for me was uh, they have a service because they know about the laws in New York. So they what they can do is send someone to your home or office to do the draw. So I literally do an 8 a.m. appointment because I have to be fasted in the morning. Someone shows up at my, my home and they draw the blood on my you know, dining room table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they, they take all, they collect all the, sand, the specimens and then they go send it off to the lab. And then a couple of days later, I get the results. So um, you were able to do that because the company was in Massachusetts that actually placed the order. No, I think it had to do with. Or where where they, did you say they were? They're in Massachusetts, oh, okay. but I but I think it had to do with the fact that they're sending someone do the draw at your location. Oh, okay. They can't send you to one of the like the I lab see, like Lab right. Corp and these other okay yeah places. Parsley does that too. It's pretty cool. Like just if someone rings the buzzer and they show up with a needle and start pricking you. I actually made a video of it. I'm I'm compiling a video of like a whole functional medicine journey. Nice from showing all the testing, including well portions of the stool testing, not the actual collection part but you know putting like a vial of poop in a fedex and like showing people how you become your own doctor and like really take control of that shit which well, i think is cool well that's what's so silly about new york is we have laws about things like blood tests and like a 23andme test which is a saliva test i can't mail it from new york i have to cross the state line and put it in a mailbox in new jersey but a stool sample sure throw it in. <laughs> are you serious <laughs> like, that's yeah. so like, weird they just sort of pick and choose like what you can and can't send yeah so uh so in doing the bulletproof diet testing it looks like on your site that you did a one thirty day test and then you did an extended one like a year or something do i am i getting that right uh yeah so i did like a, a initial 30 day kind of before and after and then i kind of did a revisit like a year and a half later i mean this, mm-hmm. and that's even a year and a half ago because it was this was kind of like showing like did things sustain and continue, you know, based off of the, was that initial 30 days kind of a fluke versus, uh, you know, and, and what I kind of talk about is just showing how things have continued to improve or get more optimized and things that I learned along the way and, and tweaks that I made, like you talk about different diets. So for me, I had to make some personal adjustments to the, the template. I mean, there's still like the spectrum of good and bad, but yeah. for me, like I, I realized there are certain things that my body could tolerate better than others or needed more than others. So uh, that was, you know, my, and that's my sort of the uh, end of one or, you know, myself, my, myself experiment, you know, cause I think, you know, we can all kind of take the same template, but we're all going to sort of need to tweak it a little bit. So did you, it was one of the tweaks you had to do playing with the intermittent fasting. So you didn't stress your thyroid and have these issues with the adrenals and cortisol and all that kind of system. Yeah. I, I had to make sure, um, until I knew certain things were back in line to not add, you know, minimize the, if you don't have to put the additional stress on your body, don't do it. I think that's the thing with like biohacking is we, we try to like, we, we get all excited and there's a million supplements and tools and toys and things we can use. And we like, yeah, let's do everything. And then you don't really like some things could be helping and a lot of things could be helping, but other things are hurting or negating the effects. So, um, you know, you, you sort of also want to isolate <laughs> when, when possible. That's the thing I have a hard time with why I wouldn't be able to do what you do because I literally don't have the patience 
and discipline to just do one, change one thing, right? And really take some time and track the results. If I find five new supplements in one week, I take, I'd start taking them all that week. So I don't really know what's doing what. I just know, I know when something's not working or when it has negative side effects. And then I sort of like, I throw everything at the wall. And then if shit's a little wonky, then I start taking it away. It's almost like the elimination diet of practices or supplements or whatever. But I, I want to ask you this. Did you ever have a situation in which uh, you started, you adopted the high fat diet and you were in doing the intermittent fasting and ended up being in ketosis a lot and had your sleep get really messed up? No, actually, if I'm in ketosis, I actually have better sleep. Really? I actually have better, yeah. Um, I've done some other experiments around um, longer fast, like five day fast or fasting mimicking diets. And I had like awesome dreams because like my body, for some reason, when, when I'm fueled by um, ketones, uh, I just, yeah, it seems to have a, a great effect on, on that's my interesting. And have you heard anything? Someone was telling me a couple of days ago that was wanted to sell me on eat, living on fruit and sugar all day, which I've done, and it just, just doesn't work for me because I just crash, I just get all tired, and then I have to eat more. Like the glucose path, just for me personally, is not the way to go. I really like living on fat and ketones. And um, and they said, well, dude, you're you're trashing your adrenals from being in ketosis too much. Have you heard that or experienced that based on your testing? Have you seen any negative results of spending a lot of time uh, burning ketones rather than glucose? Well, I've heard of not so much being in ketosis as much as instead of consuming things that will keep you in ketosis, there's people who just fast, you know, be like, I'm not going to eat anything for a period of time. And that I heard, you know, that can have issues in terms of the other side. I mean, anecdotally, I don't know. Is it good to do long term? Probably, yes or no. <laughs> I don't know the answer exactly because yeah. it depends what people are eating or consuming or not consuming. And right. and I think everyone's gonna have different health circumstances. So it may some people may be able to tolerate it, but if someone's like you know a pregnant woman maybe can't shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, you know? yeah totally, totally. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of an individual thing. Yeah, I mean, I just heard that. And I was like, I don't know. I feel pretty good, but I definitely yeah. noticed when I first started doing the high fat, which just happened accidentally because when I discovered Bulletproof Coffee, I was like just sold. And so I'd have one of those and then in the you know, maybe nine in the morning and then I wouldn't get hungry. And this is still the same today. I ate one meal today. I, I mean, I could eat, extend to eat something now, but I wouldn't eat until like three o'clock and then maybe I have like one meal. And if I didn't purposefully eat some carbs or some type of starch or sugar or something, then I would just be in ketosis all the time and then my sleep got really weird i actually asked dave asprey about it at one point and he's like dude you might be a person that just can't be in ketosis all the time because you're waking up with these cortisol rushes in the middle of the night so he's he advised he said dude eat some blueberries or something at night and like come out of ketosis to kind of help uh, regulate your your hormones well, this a bit, is where you know? if you had if you had some sort of continuous glucose monitor you may have <laughs> you may have seen <laughs> hey. overnight your glucose levels were getting way way too low and then if that's your body's way of like spiking up uh cortisol and all that it's a way to get some more glucose in your system so to like your body literally wake you up and be like yo go find some honey or something yeah like, or, or or trying to pull glucose out like have your, your liver kind of uh you know, generate more, get more glucose out. So, so would you explain to people listening that don't know, cause this ketosis is a big buzzword right now. What's, how would you explain that in just simple terms? Let's see, simple terms. So most people who eat what we call the standard American diet, where our physiology, the way our metabolism set up is we use glucose as our primary energy source. So we're, um, we're just used to like fueling up. That's why people kind of, uh, 
eat some sugar, eat a candy bar, juice, things like that, soda, um, and your body can utilize that. And that, and that becomes our, our mode of, uh, of energy. Ketone bodies are, are it's another form of fuel that uh, you can utilize. And, uh, but the most people don't ever go there because they're, they're so, their diets are so dialed into using glucose for energy that, you know, ketones are just, you know, you only experience it if you are in like a fasted state, your body may start shifting over to that. So, you know, ketosis is really, and being ketogenic is for a lot of people getting the body to start shifting as energy source over from, from being glucose driven to being ketones driven. Ketones predominantly, you know, come, ketone bodies come down from fatty acids. There's a whole chain of, of how it's broken down. And so like with things like if you're drinking you know, coffee with, let's say, you know, MCT oil and grass-fed butter and all that, and you're, you're, you're getting coffee, you're getting the benefits of that, but you're putting in a bunch of things that would tr- break down and, and turn into ketones that the body could then be, you can run off, off of. And that's why people tend to feel a certain way or have some alertness or their cognitive function seems like, oh, I'm very, everything's very clear now. And because, um, that stuff can get right, goes right to your brain. It, it bypasses, I believe it bypasses the liver. So you can kind of utilize that fuel right away. Now, you know, some people are more keto adapted than others. And that's just based on their diet. I think people that have shifted to more of like a high fat, low carb, you know, moderate protein diet, they, they can get into that state a lot sooner just by, not having any sort of glucose source or, or having these types of uh, fuels that will get them into ketosis. So, uh, I would say for me, that was something I noticed, you know, having shifted my diet over where when I actually tried to do something where I was measuring my levels of ketones in my body, um, I could see, like I could get into it every day for a little, like a new, what's called nutritional ketosis where you're, you have, your levels are at a slight level where it's like your body is utilizing some ketones for energy um, versus the extremes where if you take like exogenous ketones, which is a whole nother conversation I've done, taking some crazy things that will um, just get you like you know, right off the meter within 15 minutes. But um, let's, let's do talk about that once we, yeah. once we finish this. Yeah. Thread. So, cause I've been, I've been on some stuff called perfect keto. I want to, I want to talk about that. So carry on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so back, back to ketosis, I think it's, you know, there are people who have just shifted their diets and they're like, look, I'm in ketosis like 24 seven. Um, you know, I, they're fueled on their, their body's just so adapted to it. I think more people than not that would kind of go that route are going to just feel like, well, if I'm in it for a certain portion of the day, uh, I'll still get some benefit out of it. And usually that's the people who are doing something like intermittent fasting, where let's say they're eating their regular diet, the regular meals in an, let's say an eight hour window. And then the other 16 hours of the day, they're either fasted or eating or consuming things that won't break them or get them out of ketosis. So that's why when you have your bulletproof coffee in the morning, it's, it's sort of maintaining, it's letting you stay in ketosis because you're not, you're, you're just giving yourselves, um, you know, fats and, and things that'll break down to ketone bodies. So it's not going to kick you out of being in ketosis till you eat something like protein, carbohydrates. Uh, and you know, someone on a vegan diet being ketosis, is that even possible? Uh, would you just would you literally just have to eat tablespoons of coconut oil? All yeah. Day? I'm trying to think like what you oils would probably be the only, I mean, nuts, well, because certain nuts that have proteins will probably get, won't work. But, um, but uh, yeah, I think for the most part, ketosis seems to be tied to like, you know, other than the coconut oil or any types of oils like that. Um, you know, if you're eating anything that's going to have carbohydrates and protein in it, it will. And even, I mean, you can eat a little bit. I think certain people have a threshold. Like there's probably like a level of like, I can eat a little bit. I won't kick me out. It's probably not that much. And then eventually you'll be at, your body will just say, okay, I can utilize this now for fuel. So I'm going to kick out of, I'm going to switch my fuel source back over. When you started 
burning ketones for energy more so than glucose than sugar or carbs and stuff like that did you notice at all that you were less moody or that your energy was more steady well yeah the energy levels is it, well, the two things would be the energy level so people who are used to having that like afternoon crash or i need that coffee in the afternoon or i need a candy bar or cookie or something you know because they're like you're working all day then you have that like you know three o'clock four o'clock kind of crash that that goes away um well, for me it was like i didn't need that cup of coffee in the afternoon anymore i didn't need to have something to kind of get me get me through you know, same, same here and, I, and, and a mental clarity like i just felt yeah. i mean it's just from a productivity standpoint or you know focus like if i was working on something writing something <laughs> software you know coding or something like that like it, you know time just flies by because i'm like you can really be in the zone because i i wasn't I, I just felt like i don't know i just i just felt like things were working at a much uh more optimized level yeah uh, yeah me too i i noticed uh i asked that because i want to see if you had the same experience but when i started getting on more of a high fat diet i just found that i was a lot actually just happier like less moody and then that afternoon crash thing just doesn't it just doesn't exist it's just and i also couldn't even think of having another coffee at like three, four, five o'clock, I'm like, I'm good, dude. Like, I, I mean, I might do it just for fun sometimes if I'm really geeking out on a project, but I'm, it's not because I need it. It's just like I want to take it over the edge and like get another boost, but I'm actually not tired at all. It's weird. Yeah, well, that was, that's one of the interesting things. And I, you, 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 t- you, know, you talk about having this coffee in the morning and everyone's like, oh, you're drinking so much coffee. And, and I realized that like, no, I was actually drinking less coffee because yeah. I, I'd have like, let's say two cups in the morning or, you know, two eight ounce cups. And then, I wouldn't have anything in the afternoon, which would normally be another, whatever, cup or two. And so you're actually consuming less overall and less, you know, and, and not having as much caffeine. People who have like issues sleeping, like if you have, you know, some people, if they have a cup in the afternoon, that'll direct their sleep. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fortunately a fast uh, metabolizer of caffeine. I so, am too. So I can, you know, 2 a.m. in a diner, I can have a cup of coffee and like, I'll still go to bed like, you know, um, you know, half hour later. So, right. but I just feel like I didn't have the need for that, for like having coffee in the afternoon. So I, you know, I like a you know, nice cup of green tea or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So two things I want to know about one is how do you test your ketones, your ketone levels and your glucose level? Like, what does that look like if somebody wanted to geek out that hard? So there's a, on the glucose side, there are glucose meters. Um, I actually brought one, but we can. We might it. have to just bust out yeah. some of your stuff. Yeah. It's, kind, it's uh, kind of hard recording audio, but yeah. I, I actually just thought of something, dude. While we're wearing these headphones, you said you brought your EMF meter. Yeah. And when I recorded with uh, Matt Maruka a couple nights ago, he was like, D- after we went three hours, dude. And afterward, he's like, bro, I have a headache and I never get headaches. I think these headphones have EMFs. So I'm like, they're not plugged in, but the recorder's plugged in and then they're plugged in. They're probably getting bus power. To amplify, so I want to actually do want to test them and see what happens when it's running on batteries versus plugged in. Yeah, because I'm like, fuck, man, please don't tell me like I'm blasting my brain with EMFs every time I do a podcast. But anyway, how do you test? We'll get to that. But how do you test? Um, the glucose meter won't do any good on you know audio necessarily. Yeah. So, but a glucose meter is basically it's a little device that reads in a, a little test strip and the test strip is something that you need to put a drop of blood on and it goes into the meter and within 10 seconds you get a readout i do it i hate that is that the little snap pin that like yeah, so you clicks prick, and so you prick your you prick your finger you draw <laughs> a drop of that. blood yeah it's it's not i mean it's it's pretty simple and then um i think it really hurts dude like when you do live blood analysis they do that little 
they do that little gun and yeah. then you get a droplet of blood and they put it on the slide. And I like seeing the live blood analysis. That's cool shit. Maybe we could talk about that too if you've done it. But I think it really hurts. Maybe I'm just a wuss, but Yeah, like, I mean you figure out over time like certain parts of your finger probably are gonna be more sensitive than others. Right. And um so you eat but in a nutshell, a glucose meter is just something where you prick your finger, draw a drop of blood, touch it to a test strip, the test strip goes into the meter, and then that'll give you a a readout in like milligrams per deciliter usually. And, um, and you, you can ideally what you want to do is do a fasted reading every morning. So as soon as you wake up before you have any coffee or any breakfast or anything like that, you want to get a reading. So that's like your fasting glucose. Cause that's kind of like a good indicator you can trend over time. If you're on a ketogenic diet, will you just come up with like very little or no glucose? I mean, is it possible it to have like none in your system if you never eat carbs or starch no, or sugar? No, like if you go too low, you'll start like there are symptoms of like very low glucose. Like you'll, for me, I know when I've done like certain five day fasts and things, uh, things where I was really dropping my glucose levels down, your, your fingertips and hands get cold. You'll start, you'll, you'll kind of know <laughs> that things are getting, you know, when you say you do a five day fast, is that like, are you doing green juice or anything like that? Or just water or what? It was, uh, it's, it's called a fasting mimicking diet. So there were these researchers out of, uh, I think, um, university of California, I think it was, it was, in, it was either USC or university of California. And it was, uh, they came up with a methodology where instead of like someone just not consuming anything for five days, they figured out that you can mimic and get almost all the benefits of doing a five-day fast while consuming just a minimum amount of calories with a certain nutrient profile. And long story short is they wrote this all up. They wrote a patent up for this um, diet, and they were trying to sell it as a commercial product. And I was I was looking at the patent, and I was like, well, you can just reverse engineer that. Like it gives you the whole nutrient profile, and it came out to being like eating like an avocado a day and some greens powder and some maybe some, some salt, sea salt, just like some micronutrients, things to make sure you're getting the, the whole thing. And I, uh, did the, the five day fasting mimicking diet and it was like, you know, you're eating very little. So I think the first day for me was probably around 800, 900 calories. And then the, the last four days I would do about probably like no more than 400 calories, maybe three, three something. And so, yeah, you know, you're giving your body just enough to, to help like, you know, offset any, like, you know, not malnutrition, but just, just like get, uh, you're, you're getting the micronutrients that you need. And, and there's a very minimal amount of carbohydrates and with a little bit of fats in there. So what I did was I, um, you know, I measured with that using the glucose meter. So every day I would take multiple readings. Actually, I would take readings in the, uh, the fasting reading. I take one in the PM. So I'd have a few a day. And then I would also be measuring ketones. And you can measure ketones several ways. That was my next question. So ketone, oh great. <laughs> so ketones, um, the, I happen to have it, the meter I was using for glucose actually can also measure ketones. It's just a different type of strip. You have to prick your finger twice or can it do the same? You could probably, if you have enough blood, but I, I think I usually just, uh, just prick it twice oh, and okay. just do you know fresh drop, fresh drop. <laughs> You're not a big so, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know, I can, I can deal with the pain. Yeah. But it, uh, so you, yeah, you, again, it works the same way. And then it's, and what that's doing is it's looking for um, beta hydroxybutyrate in the blood. And so it will then give you a reading uh, in terms of like millimolars per liter of, uh, you know, that it reads. Uh, and then I think when they talk about levels of, ketones there's a certain range where you're considered nutritional ketosis and then there's a higher range where you're it's uh, known as more therapeutic uh is that what you're talking about on your site where you say deep ketosis yeah <laughs> like yeah. hardcore i'm like that's yeah a... that's like you don't and there's actually like you can get 
there's a, there's like a sweet spot even in therapeutic like cuz more is not necessarily better like you can go too high and there's actually like uh, toxicity that can occur and with people that they can get if their uh, levels of key I mean just doing it from fasting and diet it's going to be very very difficult but if you take exogenous ketones and take a lot of it you can potentially uh get you know have, have issues there so um that's where I want to go next okay. is the exogenous ketones explain to us what that means so instead of uh, you know going into ketosis or using ketones for fuel based off of things we're consuming or or diet or body generating them, companies are coming out with these products that are exogenous, you know, externally taken ketones, and usually they're they're salt based, and um, and these come like the popular things that are out there now are typically like in a packet and it's kind of a salt based packet and you mix it with with water or any or something or juice and then you you consume it and then it'll bring your levels up a little bit. Um, you know, the, the challenges with those types of ketones can be in order to, if you wanted to get into like a, that deep ketosis level, you'd have to drink like essentially gallons of water <laughs> and many, many packets of that because, um, they, they'll just bump you up a little bit, but to get, you're not going to get a really, really high level. So what's weird is people are taking them now. I see a lot of people taking these exogenous ketones, the salt based ones as almost like a dietary supplement meaning like they're they're using it to like put off eating and and because they're basically saying like oh it's a diet aid because actually when you're taking ketones it actually sh- it's kind of getting it's actually not doing what they want because it might make them not hungry but taking a lot of external exogenous ketones will actually shut down the pathways where you won't be burning uh fat like fatty acids so you won't actually you actually won't burn fat so people who are like there are people who are actually trying to like lose weight and stuff oh, by taking shit. them but it's actually the reverse nice yeah. myth bust dude yeah so most of the most of the ketones that are out there are salt based but then there's also these ketone esters which is like a pure pure like form of it so it's it's probably like many 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 times more potent than just taking a salt and um historically this stuff would take cost like like twenty thousand dollars for one serving size of like 25 grams in a, to make in a lab they usually used it to give Holy to mice and stuff crap. like that because the process to make it was just really expensive and now there's some companies out there that are um figuring out ways to produce it and make it in batches where you know it's it's not going to be five dollars a serving it's i think right now it's probably closer to two hundred dollars a serving and the average person who just needs to be alert during the day while they're at work is it's not really for them i think they're the stuff right now is focus more on elite athletes, like people who get a performance boost immediately from it, whether you're like a Tour de France cyclist or a professional poker player or something like that, where you're like, you need that right now and it's going to last for a few hours and, you know, and, and spending a couple hundred dollars isn't, isn't going to like break your bank. Right. Um, but I was able to get hold of some of these like um, ketone esters and I did some experiments around um, in seeing how it affected cognitive function, like in terms of uh, different uh, battery of tests uh, from like working memory to just speed and computational uh, problem solving and, and all of that. And I, uh, but, so I had, I did an experiment that lasted essentially it took, had to take like three weeks to do it because I had to do all the, the brain game testing and all of that repeatedly, like just without the, the esters, because I had to get rid of what we call a learning effect. I didn't want to, you, you get better at something just by playing it. So I had to keep playing all these things every day, repeatedly, repeatedly until I saw the, performances like taper off. And I was like, okay, I think I'm at where I, I I'm not improving anymore now. So I can't, I can't say that I'm just getting better at it anymore. I'm just, it kind of leveled. And then I took these esters and, and what you're supposed to do is you take them and within 15 minutes, like my ketone levels, um, on, with the meter, like it basically gave me an error message it means it was over 8.5 millimolars Holy per liter. Shit. So it just kind of like 
but you know, it, it, you maxed it, out the test. Well, it, it, if you go over a certain amount, yeah, yeah. You, the meter gives you yeah. an error. It only has a certain range. Right. Right. Cause you're not ever supposed to go that high. Right. <laughs> like that high. right. And, um, but it, it, it eventually comes back down. So like my test, what I was supposed to do is take the esters an hour later after taking them, then do the test. Cause then I would be in the suite, that zone I was talking about of, of where you're in that kind of therapeutic, um, level where it's not too high, not too low. And, uh, and I did, I went and did all these like brain games again. And I, and it was like across the board on every single category I did, like everything went up really? like not, and not even, I mean, a few things went up maybe by like, you know, 8% improvement, whatever, but there was a few categories that were in there that it was like almost like 30% or 20 to Holy 30% improvement. Shit. Like, and I, and I couldn't, Dude, that's, I could, but that's and you bananas. know, and I, I I'll chalk up a little bit maybe to like, there could be some like adrenaline going and stuff, you know, cause you're like, right. you know, you're doing these tests, but I couldn't figure out like why it was like, I mean, it was across the board. Um, but again, it's something that it, it's not that they make me smarter. Or, like it, it, it gives you a, it gives you a boost while you're doing a certain task. And then I, you know, if I went back and did it again, like day or two later, things are going to kind of re- come back down again. So it was, so I, I see those, like those exogenous ketones, especially the, the esters right now as being just this like, it's a performance enhancer. It's, it's great for like, if you're going to go, you know, again, do a, do an Ironman or a Tour de France, or, you know, I, I play a lot of soccer. So like, you know, the, you know, whatever, if I, if I feel like I'm going to need to run around for 90 minutes, I, I just, you know, go crazy. Like probably take some, some, some of those, but, um, but for day to day, it's probably, you know, not, not really something people need to get. I mean, just getting a nutritional ketosis just from diet and, and fasting. And, and well, one of the things that intrigued me about the exogenous ketones, like these powders and stuff, because I, I um, was approached by a company called Perfect Keto and they're like, hey, we make this really clean, uh, you know, ketones. And because a lot of the stuff's from China, it's pretty suspect. A lot of the, the ketone salts, you know, they're like, don't really do good lab tests on them yeah. and shit. Could be heavy metals, mold, fungus, they could be irradiated. Who the fuck knows? It's coming out of some factory. So... They're like, no, ours are super clean. We test for all that and they really work. And what intrigued me about the exogenous ketones was that if you eat a bunch of carbs and come out of ketosis, that you can use them to bring yourself back in ketosis. If you kind of, I don't want to say screw up, but whatever you eat something, but your goal is to stay in ketosis. Do you think there's validity to that? And have you tested like using exogenous ketones to actually bring yourself back in if you fall out? So with, with the, uh, the esters, what I did was I, so I took, I was measuring a bunch of things, um, before, during and after, right. Right. When I took them. So what what was interesting was when I, uh, we just mentioned how my ketone levels shot up, but the inverse also happened. My, uh, glucose levels just shot down. So it, it, there's a huge uptake in terms of glucose being taken back up, shifting, you know, the ketone levels went, went up, um, my triglyceride levels went way down. So I actually have another device. Let's, I can do some like blood testing at home. Like I can do like LDL, HDL, triglycerides, that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's not like going to be the same level as if you go to a lab, like a you know, regular lab test, but it's within, let's say it's within 5%. So I, I was able to like track that as well and see like kind of what, what is actually happening when I, when I take this stuff, seeing the effects, not just on glucose and ketones, but also like it actually has effects on some of the cholesterol markers, which is, which was kind of interesting. That's cool. I mean, that's good, right? You want that, the triglycerides to go down ideally, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want, um, you know, when I, whether or not, you know, it's going to last, you know, it's not a permanent thing. You're getting it just as a temporary kind of improvement, you know? So again, it's, it's these exogenous ketones that aren't necessarily giving you a permanent boost. It's like a little bump here and there. So would you say just basically you're just 
eat a ketogenic diet if that's what your goal is. More, I mean, you're going to get more benefit from that than all of this other f- funny business, unless yeah. you're going for that crazy high performance. Yeah. But also, yeah, and also, I think the people who are taking some of the exogenous ketones, even like the salts, if your keto, if your diet is pretty much like you know higher fat and all that, and you're you're pretty adapted, you're going to get a better response when you take something like that. Because yeah, I like it. I mean, I'll just be working in the office and I don't have time to eat, so I'll just make myself like a little collagen protein, whatever, some stevia, some ketones. Just make like a little smoothie with ketones in it, basically. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, I'm not hungry for hours afterward, but I'm also not starving myself. I mean, I'll put some brain octane oil in there. I'll make some, you know, make a fatty like protein drink with extra ketones, essentially. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Or does mixing it with protein negate the the, the ketones? Well, it's just that you're going to, you're giving your body multiple fuel sources. It's going to decide what it wants to use. Um, But I mean, for me personally, like. And this is again something over the years of, you know, is we we start taking tons and tons of different supplements and all these other things, and you start realizing like there, there's got to be ways to maybe like if I can get it out of real food, you know, I'm, I'm going to go in that direction first. Cause I'd rather be, like eat something that's going to be more satiating than right. than if I if I don't have to, you know, if I'm in a bind or something and you take something or something you can't get out of your diet, then sure. But right. I, but yeah, but something like um, you know, if I'm going to take ketones with a, a protein shake. I probably wouldn't go that route. I mean, I mean, it, okay. it depends. Unless unless you're going to work out or something, maybe yeah, some yeah, cool yeah. like pre workout routine. You're getting, yeah. your, getting your protein. You're well, getting you know, your- actually, I do like the exogenous uh, ketones before I work out too, because the, if you make a drink out of it, it's just you know, it'll be like chocolate flavor, or peaches and cream, or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's watery, so you don't like walk into a workout feet. Like I'll I'll like regurgitate food if I eat before I work mm-hmm. out. It's just my body's like, wait, jackass, do you want to digest food or do you want to <laughs> use your muscles or whatever but i like the ketones before i work out because it's just like you just absorb it it's like drinking water or something you know and Mm -hmm. i don't i don't notice like that i'm in other words it's very easy to digest yeah i've taken like some before like a soccer game or something i was like hey i just get a little energy boost before the game you know but um but it's not something i i would say i do regularly all right that's cool so let's move into some of the uh technology then so you're wearing like three devices on your one, well, two on your wrist and one on your ring now. What are those things and what are you tracking right now? Okay, so the one that looks like a ring is a Finnish company called Aura and it, they make a really cool, it looks like a, almost like a piece of jewelry. But it's O-U-R-A, a O-U-R-A, right? O-U-R-A. Okay, yep. got it. It's become popular just because A, it's the form factor. It just slips right on your finger. Um, it's like a, the other activity trackers. It'll track your steps and activity and sleep, things like, and, you know, those, those data points. You know what's uh, interesting about it too? Because I remember when it came out, I think I saw Greenfield had it. It's not hideous either. Like it's actually kind of like, cool looking which a lot of the a lot of the, the early tracking stuff is like oh, i'm not gonna wear that thing around you know that actually looks cool do people comment like hey that's a dope ring and not know what it is yeah ever? yeah usually when i'm paying at some register at some you know a shop or you know someone sees me pulling out my because i take my wallet out of my pocket and they see my my ring and they're like right. oh that's cool and i have to explain what it is but um yeah i i like the fact that it um it's like one solid piece too so like i've dropped this on like a hard like floor and i thought i'd be like it would just break and things like indestructible so it is so, essentially does it read moisture in your pulse and how's it how's it actually getting the information so they're underneath inside of it are a bunch of sensors um that can do everything from uh you know looking measuring your pulse rate looking at um i think it might be doing some stuff around body temperature and 
It's got an accelerometer stuff built into it. It might be doing some uh, galvanic skin response. Um, oh, okay. So it can use those data points and then they've got algorithms, for example. So if they're trying to like measure your sleep, they have their own ways to figure out like, are you in deep sleep? Are you in REM? Are you in light sleep? Awake, et cetera. Um, whereas the, all these devices have their own ways of doing that. So whether it's like, you know, I've got a jawbone on my hand and, and on my wrist and I've got a Fitbit uh, blaze on my wrist. And the reason I'm wearing three things right now isn't because I want to just be, go crazy with the tracking. It's, it's, I'm actually in the middle of an experiment that I'm, I'm trying to compare the, what they're collecting, especially with regards to sleep and seeing what, where they're consistent or inconsistent. Because I kind of feel like a lot of things with a lot of this technology is we often put our faith into these devices being accurate and they could be consistently inaccurate. So, um, if, you know, cause one thing might tell you, like you never get any deep sleep, but the other two devices are disagreeing, which one's correct. Have you found that with these three in terms of your sleep, that there's uh, discrepancies in the reporting? So far. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's interesting to see when there's like, you wake up and, you know, cause the first thing you do in the mornings, you're like, how do I think I slept? I think I slept. Okay. And then you look at the data and you're like, that oh, says you slept like crap. And you're like, look, you were tossing and turning all night. And the other, but then something else will say like, you know, you got two hours of REM and I'm trying to think like, well, do I remember any dreams? Was I have REM? And the other, another device would be like, you got nine minutes. <laughs> so it's like, wow. So you don't know if the errors in the device itself. Was it user error? Like did, did I not secure it? Like, was it spinning around on my wrist or my finger overnight? And so, you know, what, what really can throw off those results? And I think it's kind of an important thing to really understand with all these, all this technology is, you know, you're putting your, you're, you're putting your faith into something that if the data it's collecting is, isn't accurate or itself, it's not, um, you know, you're, you're, you could be somewhat misguided in terms of like, you think there's something wrong with you and maybe there isn't. Did you ever try that thing called the bed it? that like strap, I think it was kind of a strap that you put on your mattress and you lay on it and then it gives you your sleep data. Did you ever try that? Uh, I mean, I've played around with them. I, I, I try to not keep a lot of like electronics and stuff in there in my <laughs> yeah, bed. I so, I mean, they, you know, and I know they they probably have a version now, I think where it turns off Bluetooth and, oh, okay. and all that. But yeah. Like, that's the thing with a lot of the tracking stuff is it's Bluetooth, especially with the sleep ones. I'm like, yeah. uh, I'm not going to be sleeping with Bluetooth on me. Like, you know, but these, the aura ring, you can turn off at night and then plug it in to, to read, to sync your data, right? Exactly, yeah. There's a setting that um, disables, turns off the Bluetooth, and then you hope it doesn't somehow reactivate. But it, it's pretty good now. I think it used to be have some issues, but they resolved it. And so, yeah, so you can shut it off. And then in the morning, you take off the ring. And I think for, after 30 seconds, if you put it back on, it will reactivate the Bluetooth on it. But, oh, okay. I, but I only keep it on just when I need to sync the data off it. Yeah, it's always yeah. off otherwise. Yeah. And when you walk around in New York, do you, when you have your phone on you, do you put it in airplane? So in New York, I, depends what I'm using it for. I'll keep definitely like if I'm out in the street, Wi-Fi is off, Bluetooth's off. Um, I, my phone's in a case that blocks EMF. Ah, from it. there you so, go. There you go. Um, that, so like what's I, the, what's the case called? Uh, the one that one I have is called safe sleeve oh, okay, it's a company. Cool. So it, it's only protected like a condom company. Yeah. Maybe they, <laughs> they, can, they can pivot. Yeah. I've heard of the defender shield. I've, so I've not I have, heard of this one. So I have a defender shield as a, a pad under my laptop. So okay. like if you have, if you like, if you're sitting at a desk or yeah. something, you know, there's anything. This that one's can, right here, the hair pad. So yeah. So, yeah. so if you, you know, cause it can project below the, below the laptop. So that's yeah. going to block it that way. Um, but with the phone, uh, I mean, I do, I do have several things to mitigate EMF with the phone. And, and one is, you know, having that case on it. So it basically protects the front of it. So it's going to, it's going to redirect any radiation out 
towards the back. So like I would never, I still don't recommend ever, I'm never gonna have my phone in my pocket. Like I don't keep my phone in my pocket. So for me, it's more like if I have to take a call or do something, it's always that is protected in the front. And then what I usually just do is I'll have, I have um, air headphones. Oh yeah, that, um, yeah. So like- The they, earbuds or yeah, something? Yeah, earbuds. So um, what they do is they have little speakers, but they're not in your ear. They're like halfway down, like where the where it comes out of the, of the of the jack, and then it has air tubes. So basically, what it's doing is pumping the air into your ears. So you never have like the little speakers in your ears. Like you're gonna have a trade off. Like someone was asking me about how good does music sound, and I was like. It's good for podcasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if yeah. you're listening to podcasts, it's fine. But I'm not going to listen to like you're not going to listen to like Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You, you lose, you're going to lose some. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, speaking of speaking of headphones, I've never done this on a show, so I don't know how the sound will end up. But if you can carefully sort of take off your headphones without making too yeah. much noise, let's fucking test the EMFs on these headphones. Yeah, give me one sec. All right, cool. And I'll keep the audience entertained. Hopefully. So this guy walks into a bar. And he says, no, I'm just kidding. So what we're doing now, you guys listening, you know, I, I talk to people still, they don't even know what an EMF is. They think it's a, you know, a band or something like ELO. No, uh, EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies. And these things are really, really gnarly. And they come off of all electronic uh, devices. Sometimes they're magnetic. In the case of your cell phone, they will be uh, radio frequencies. And People like often will accuse you, and maybe you've experienced this, Bob, where people think you're like a tinfoil hat person. I'm like, dude, do the fucking research. All you have to do is like Google dangers of cell towers, dangers of smart meters, dangers of cell phones, dangers of this. This stuff is very real. And for someone like me that loves technology, like recording this podcast, I would really like to think that I can do so safely. So... I'm really intrigued to find out if our headset here is uh, is emitting a lot of signal. And if so, I want to see what it happens if I unplug it from the power source and just run it on batteries. So right now, um, so I have this on. Okay. And Does it make, I wish it made cool noises like, doo, doo, yeah, doo, 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 no. <laughs> like so, alarm goes off. So uh, the, the range you're seeing here is basically zero and you'll see the middle one goes to five. Yeah. Um, and is this magnetic field? Yeah, so we're measuring okay. like e, like low L. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like um, the level of things like uh, electrical circuits in the home, that sort of appliances, uh, level, and appliances, stuff like anything like so. You know, not Wi-Fi or cell phones. That's which RF. Is a, a, that's a, a radio frequency. Yeah. which is a different device. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah. magnetic. What are we looking at? So we're just this is just like ambient in this room right now. We're at about uh, five now. The high, the recommended like the what they say is a safe level to be in consistent like if you're in it all the time is about three uh-huh. that's why these lines on the meter are dotted yeah but really like if you go to europe the, the, the laws are more restrictive they actually want you want it below two wow so, so this is pretty typical though being in like a new york city space um you'll tend to see you know because right now we're like look if i move around it now it's going up higher and higher. Right. So and that's we, just so coming we, off the, we're, we're right now, you guys were in a kitchen. So that's just coming off the appliances and the wires within the wall. Yeah. And it could be, you know, a lot of things. Um, the light up here. It could be the light up there. It could be, uh, there's a fuse box somewhere. There could be, you know. Wireless, uh, or no, no. What the wireless uh, doorbell would be radio, not right, magnetic. Right. Huh? But like, uh, it, I don't see a microwave, but if there was a microwave, you could stand 10 feet away from it and this thing will still be going off. Even, Dude, if, the mic- even if the microwave's not on. I keep still- mine unplugged. Well, I, don't, I don't fuck around no, with the microwave, that's, dude. That's exactly what I, yeah. You so keep, toxic. Keep it unplugged. So, and the thing is like, it's, it's one thing to have 
a source of EMF that's kind of like just a cute source that you can identify like, okay, that thing right there is throwing it off because you can mitigate that very easily. You can be like, don't stand, you know, if something's near your bed, um, move it away. So like my, in my bedroom, I found that I had like right where I was sleeping, like I had a pretty high level of EMF going on. And it turned out that there was a, a, a coaxial cable jack behind my bed that I had to run to a TV on the other side, of the other side of the room. And the jack wasn't like super shielded or anything. So when it was all hooked up, it was actually throwing off a lot of, um, those make, stuff. uh, those make magnetic fields. Yeah. And wow, so I didn't know that. And so what I did was as soon as I unplugged it and took it, unplugged the coaxial cable from it and everything, it was like, it, like the levels went down, like, like right where my head would be on my pillow. So we're like, well, how do you mitigate this? And, and a lot of these frequencies and EMFs, they, they follow what's called an inverse square law where, you know, if something's at like two here and you move it double the space away, it'll go drop down to a quarter of that. Um, you know, one fourth based on every time you double it. So, you know, basically the, the easiest way to mitigate stuff is to just move stuff away just a little bit and it'll, it'll greatly drop the levels. But sometimes, you know, if you're in a space though, where like, we don't know, like is stuff local coming through the walls and appliance, or is it just like, is there like a cell tower across the street? Is there something like coming through the windows of the, of, of a location? Right. You have to figure out what those sources are and how do you mitigate that? Um, so, so can you t can you tell the magnetic field of these headphones right here? Is there too much ambient field to notice a um, difference? Well, I can. I mean, what you can do is I can. Like here, put it up to my head. Well, you'd want to put you'd want to put the. <laughs> or I can take them off. Yeah, you want to like make believe this is your head. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, stand by, audience at home listening. All right, I'm taking off my headphones and I'm going to put them around this device to see what my head is actually getting. Here we go. So you see, it it tends to spike every now and then. So it's kind of like when I'm talking, see that? So every time I talk, the speakers are being engaged, right? Cause it's, pu it's putting the, uh, electricity in, that's coming in through, through the magnets in there. And so, you know, as, so as more I talk, the more I talk, you see it spike. That's messed up, dude. So I'm leaning over now so I can talk in my mic and it's true when I'm talking in the mic or when he's talking in the mic, it comes out the headphones and you can see it go up. Yep. So let me try something though. Let me, no, keep it on there okay. and then let me hold, just hold it for a sec and then let me unplug from the power source and see if the batteries, the little double A batteries in there also make it this high. Stand by. Well, another thing to keep in mind okay, is now I'm on battery power. It's the same. Yeah. Well, also keep in mind, we're starting before you even put this, the meter was already showing about four. So you're, it's not like it's going up a ton. It was already pretty high. Cause if you look, we're still, we're still at like, uh, yeah, that's a good point. So, so we'd have to like go out into the fucking woods where there's no magnetic field at all. Put this where it's at zero. Yeah. Put this on and then see like how much of a, uh, of a contrast is created. Yeah. Cause I've even found with, um, you know, with headphones, whether you've got like noise canceling headphones or those, any, anything like that, where just the space between your ear and where the actual like speaker is in the headphones, because these are usually cushiony and have like a padding on yeah. the ears, yeah. like that much space, again, the inverse square law, the levels will, you know, we just squeeze those things right against the meter, right? right. And now when they're on your head, there's probably like you know half inch of space on each side. So you've probably already dropped it a little bit. Um, so you've tested like boy bows, like uh, well, noise canceling. Yeah, like ones I have at home. And just, yeah, yeah. And you know, how are how are those? Did you were you able to do a more isolated test with less ambient field? Yeah, because those are powered. Uh, they have they have a battery in them to power them. And then, oh right, and right. So then I just you know if you hook them up to your whatever you want to listen to it off of your phone or something like that. Um, but you will see like they're all going to throw off something. It's just a matter of what did you, you find know, your the battery powered. Um, uh, head, uh, 
noise canceling headphones put off a lot or just moderate amount of EMF? It was kind of similar to the experience we just had where um, I think there was already an ambient level that was right, higher right. than I liked. And so right. it was kind of just adding. adding Have you ever it. looked into, I'm looking into two different things because I live in an apartment too right now. I really want to get back into a house. I lived in a house uh, for a while, about four years in the Hollywood Hills and the houses are very sparse up there. You know, you don't have people on top of you like in an apartment. Dude, in that house, I only got two Wi-Fi signals, one mine and one from faint one from one of the neighbors. It was amazing. Yeah. And there were no really close cell towers. It was like, I slept really well in there. The energy in the house was just like, you can just feel it. It's just a more grounded feeling in there. But for now I'm in an apartment and I get, it's a two story apartment, but I'm surrounded by other apartment buildings that have a lot of units. I think they have little singles or something. Mm. So, because when I turn on my Wi-Fi to search for my signal, which I only turn on in an emergency at home, I have everything hardwired. But if I'm someone's visiting or something like that, they'll ask me for the Wi-Fi. And if you do that, it'll drop down. It's like, just like in New York, there's like 40 options. Like if we look at my, my laptop right here, you're going to have like 40 signals that are all like four or five bars coming at me. So what I've considered doing is one of two things. For the magnetic field, getting the EMF blocking paint right? Because you can get this paint that has like a, it's conductive essentially, and then you can ground the paint into your ground circuit. And then also I was looking into getting a um, canopy for my bed because I have like a four post bed that's the shielding fabric. And you can essentially make your bed a Faraday cage where like you could literally take your cell phone inside there and you'll get no signal. Like it kills it. Yeah. You just have to be careful that like it has to be completely sealed because if there's any little crack within that cage or whatever you're doing, it's, it's actually can make things worse. Um, but also that's going to protect because it bounces around inside. Yeah. There. And, it's, and it'll find its way in. And, but, um, and you have to make sure it's grounded again, obviously. Yeah. Yes. But, um, but what I've found was that stuff will work for helping with some of like RF type signals. So if you're dealing mm-hmm. with like cell towers and Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and all that, but if you have a, if you're, issue with emf is the lower frequencies like you're talking about like electrical wiring things within the home uh that you're kind of like and i've researched this because i live in new york city and i'm i was like i wanted to figure out a way to insulate the same thing like do that to my walls and yeah. they're like no you have to put like lead you have plates in the walls because those wow. frequencies are penetrate anything so whereas rf and stuff you can mitigate with those types oh, of so solutions you're, you're saying the paint won't block the magnetic coming uh, off the walls oh uh, i had it backwards so it'll block it'll block the radio frequencies coming in from outside yeah you're not going to get but not the magnetic no. so for the magnetic you'd essentially have to build your own house and have all the wiring shielded properly so that it's not emitting that magnetic yeah field, i right? mean you because i mean i went through my my apartment and it was like I tested out every outlet and I found some improperly grounded outlets that, you know, so if you end up with stuff like that, you can, if you have like a sprinkler system or plumbing in the walls, uh, if there's some ungrounded, sh- like uh, ungrounded connection, like it can get carried along the pipes, you know, it could be like if the, so building, even the water can be like everything off a field. Yeah. Everything, <laughs> everything conducts, even, you know, anything that, anything metal that, that right. if something's not grounded properly, it will figure out a way. Jesus um, Christ. So conduct- for people that are listening that think we're, tinfoil hatters uh there was a show called better call saul and the show really pissed me off it's like a pre it's like a prelude to breaking bad it's like what what how those guys became the characters and in that there's a character uh who is he's got really high emf sensitivity so he wraps himself in tinfoil and all this stuff (laughs) and when that came out actually pissed me off because it makes it it makes us people look crazy that understand the science 
and the research on this shit and how bad it is for you. And then in the show, they like make the guy look like a dickhead basically. And so I was like, God, don't do that. This is real stuff. So do you know what some of the negative effects of, of these radio frequencies and magnetic frequencies are in our biology, just in case someone's like, Oh, it doesn't do anything. Well, there's, there's simple things like it can disrupt sleep. It can mess up things like your HRV. It can put you in a more stressed out state. It's just a stressor on the body. Um, you know, they're, the extreme levels are things like, you know, stuff can lead to like serious diseases. Like they've, you know, people have talked of linking things to some types of cancers and just if you're constantly being bombarded by, by the stuff. Now, again, there's a big difference though, between like, we're seeing, you know, looking at a level that's kind of like, okay, for the, you know, for 15 minutes, it's a bit elevated, but you know, the other 23 hours of the day, it's fine. I mean, yeah, it's probably not as much of an issue. Um, I, when I did a lot of my like experiments around this stuff, I was really focusing on my bedroom because I, you know, Hey, of course that's what it's, a, it's, it's one room that I can control. It's I'm there eight hours a night. Let's say if I get sleep eight hours. Um, and so I was like, that's one thing. If I can fix one thing, cause I can't fix it when I'm walking down the streets in New York city. Like I've walked around with these meters and you can see like when you approach like, um, traffic lights and, and, and signal street signals and all that, like th- there's levels that go off. Or if you get in wow. line, if, like they have relays for the cell antennas that are in some buildings. If you get in line of sight, you can see these things just sh- like, dude, that's up. what, that's what I was going to ask you. Cause actually someone, um, a listener was asking last night a question about, um, about being in New York City and was saying, is it more? Are the cell towers more dangerous when you are higher up because you are actually? Uh, what was the question? It was like, okay, if if you're in a cell tower and you're higher up, you're actually sort of like at the same. Uh, I don't know if it's longitude or latitude, but you, you know, you're at the. What am I looking for? You're at the same altitude Wait. as like the tower. So say you're on the tenth floor. That sucks worse than being on the second floor because all the towers are like right in alignment with you. And when you look at them on a building, they're all facing like straight out. They don't point down. They're like facing the other buildings. Yeah, it just depends on like you have to look at where the line of sight is. I mean, that's how they work. They work on line of sight, especially the relays. And and um, the odds are if you're at a higher floor, you're going to be at the level of other roofs, tops, and where those those antennas and right. things would be. Because um, I'm staying on the you know, 16th floor, dude. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, so the well, the flips. I mean, the flip side there is, you know, if you start talking about, like, I, I live on a like on a, on a lower level, but what floor are you on? I'm on the first floor. Oh, okay. But I but I have two. I have a level that's sub grade, oh, and okay. I have a level that's uh, you know just above. I mean, not on the street, but like above the street level. Yeah. But but then because when you go underground, you it's like you're dealing with more like if there's any kind of again electricity low emf kind of kind of things going on right um the other challenge is though with that that whole aspect is you know in new york it's like hey i want to go grounding in the park i'm gonna go take my shoes off and put my bare feet on the grass in this park and then i look around the park and i see all these giant light posts where they built you know and i'm like like you might be causing more harm than good just standing there. Oh, don't tell me that, bro. That's my hack. <laughs> God <laughs> well, damn you know, you got, well, that's, well, there's, I mean, the trick is you could take a voltage meter and measure You can basically like hold, you know, you stand on the ground, you a hold skin one voltage in. meter. Yeah. You basically, yeah. you can register and see like, the, yeah. are you actually grounding? Because oh, okay. I mean, do you yeah. have one of those? Well, just a always, volt, I just have a voltmeter and you can oh, just okay. basically put a, you know, one end in the ground and then you hold oh, the other end okay. and you complete the circuit and you can right. see if you're, if you're holding charge or. Right, right. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
The number one question I get on social media and my website form is, Luke, what is your favorite piece of biohacking slash health technology? If you had to pick just one, what would it be? And I have to say that it's the amp coil. So the amp coil is a device that combines many different healing technologies that have been developed over the years and vetted by science and anecdotally by people that have use these devices to really improve their health. So the main two mechanisms are PEMF and biofeedback. And PEMF is proven to be effective for antioxidant stimulation, nutrition uptake, microcirculation, cellular energy improvement, ATP production, cellular oxygenation, sports recovery time, cleansing and detoxification. Really powerful stuff in PMF, and this is widely recognized by science. Now for biofeedback, what you get is stress reduction, discomfort relief, positive behavior and mood, mental focus, sleep, cognitive improvements, and then neuromuscular re-education. So what all of that geeky science means is that this is a very powerful healing device and that you can also use it for consciousness and metaphysical purposes, what is what I use it for. I use it for all of that. So it's just really badass technology. Again, listen to number 98 with the founders of Amp Coil and you can learn everything about it, especially its application for Lyme and autoimmune issues. And if you want to just jump right into the action, get over to ampcoil.com. They have great customer service. They're a family business. They'll be very helpful. So go to ampcoil.com for more info. And now back to the interview. So I actually want to ask you about because, dude, I can't get a straight answer on this shit. I've interviewed scientists. I mean, I've interviewed some brilliant people. I've interviewed just hippies like me that just get that we're supposed to be constantly connected to the ground as a living organism. Uh, unless you're a bird in migration, your ass is supposed to be touching water, a plant, or the ground, right? Natural organic matter. So all these companies a few years ago came out with like these like earthing and grounding mats and sheets and all this stuff. And even computer nerds knew about this a long time ago. They're called um, anti-static wristbands and anti-static pads and stuff um, so that you don't build up an electrical charge and like fry a hard drive or CPU or something, right? So the technology makes perfect sense to me because you have a ground wire in your building, you plug into that, and then you're essentially getting um, electrons from the ground like you would if you were touching it. But, and so that is all good, and all that stuff comes from the people selling that technology, like how good it is for you. But then you have these the other camp that's like, no, that's bullshit, because if you have dirty electricity in your house, you're actually like taking uh, bad stuff from the electrical system in your house and you're putting it in your body. Or if you're like sleeping grounded, for example, and there's a magnetic field coming off the wall because there's an outlet behind your headboard, then that magnetic electrical field is actually using you as a conduit and it's shooting that electricity because it's looking for a ground, right? And it's using you as a conduit and then you're like the middleman to get those frequencies back into the ground through the wall of your building. So there's like... There's so much fucking conflicting information about it. I just use common sense and I just do what kind of feels right, but I'm really not sure. So I, I used to use a grounding sheet that had metal thread in it. Then everyone said, oh, dude, you, you have, you're sleeping on a giant antenna. Like you're attracting radio frequencies, so don't do that. So now what I do, I, I actually put it in that video I was telling you about, is I have a little rubber grounded mat. And I sleep with that on the foot of my bed. And most of the time my feet are kind of somewhere near. It feels a little weird, but... 
I get used to it. And then, so I'm not attracting metal, but I am still dissipating like the, you know, the charge in the room. So where are you at with all the grounding devices and stuff? Well, you explain a lot of it. Um, I just, I, I, I have I, a tendency to do that. I answer my own question, but I, I'm well, just, it, it, I'm just giving all the different angles, but I really don't know what the definitive uh, answer is. Well, I guess, well, for me, it's, it's, you got to put it in the context of what your environment is. Right. So if you, if you live in a city, if you're in like any urban environment, then those issues with electricity and, you know, and, and basically causing more harm than good with, with using grounding mats or grounding sheets, all that, it's very valid. Like I personally don't like, I thought early on, like, Oh, I can just, you know, put a one wire into the grounding part of the plug and, and my outlet and do that. And then I realized like, well, wait, the electric things are so messed up. If the electric, if the building isn't perfectly wired, you can be causing more harm than good. I mean, the ideal world, if you had a yard or something where, you know, you can put a, a metal stake. That's what I did ground. at home. Yeah. yeah. So you, you put a big metal stake in I the ground. I live on the second floor and, and I have a, like a wire coming out of my bedroom window that goes in the ground. And that's, Dude, I did that to my ice bath the other day too. Grounded nice. Yeah. 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 I saw uh, this, uh, this kid that, um, from uh, Mito Life, Matt did that. I was like, cool. He has like a copper spike, and then it just has an alligator clip that just drips and in, dips into the water. Because yeah. that made sense too. I'm like, never in nature would you ever be in water and not have and not be grounded. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, hmm, well, that can't be good. So how can or it's good, but how can I make an ice bath even better? Pretty cool. But yeah, but that's so the challenge really with all that is if you're in a situation where you can't really trust like that the ground that you're on itself is going to be <laughs> actual earth, or is there actually like electricity running through that because there's like wires and light signposts and and all you know that sort of stuff right, going on right. you know, in the city it's tough so, so like, even in the know, dirt I, listen i would love to walk around new york city barefoot but, hey well it's filthy but yeah but uh even if let's say that aside i i wouldn't necessarily trust being grounded like walking you know like we had a, a thing a couple years ago here where like uh, like a woman got like electrocuted in the wintertime walking her dogs because she walked over uh walking down a sidewalk and it was a shorted electrical box underneath the sidewalk and she got and when the salt melts you know from the snow that whole, like you can tell because like i used to have a dog and it would totally go like it like zap, it would not want to walk down certain sidewalks because you could feel the short in the sidewalk Whoa, and, dude. Uh, his paws were sensitive so oh, that's yeah so how many dogs are running around new york getting electrocuted and their owner their owner is just like come on let's go like yeah, what's wrong with like you your dog's like no way i'm not i'm not doing it and wow. they don't want to go around the other way wow. but um but yeah, so I, I would just be really careful with the grounding stuff. I, I you know, I think, um, you know, if you if you're 100 percent sure that you know your electrical in your in your home is fine, then you can do that. Otherwise, if there's a way to do that metal stake solution where you can put something right to ground and then right. connect to that, but in the city you usually don't have that. that I think luxury. The, I think the best thing to do is probably have like a grounding technique. You know, they have these like specialized electricians essentially that come and do um what do they call that it's like home healing or something like that i forget what it's called but there are services i've looked into where like someone that is actually scientifically viable comes and tests and all that shit and then and then has mitigation yeah. protocols for you i think that's like if you want to do it and not be like armchair electrician and shit oh and, yeah there's, there's you know some, you get someone that comes out and like does it for yeah, you yeah they're you know? they're definitely experienced professionals out there who like they'll come in and like you know if, if yeah. you know, someone like me i, I kind of did it out of my own interest and i was saying you know i'm sure that like there's stuff that where you're, you're having to do construction and, and it's right, gonna, you're, right. gonna, you're bringing the pros to, to kind of remedy right. that but um but i think just to you know having in a some meters and things to really just get a better understanding you can at least 
do some, you know, quick little hacks that'll like mitigate, mitigate some of the things. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, that's sound advice. Yeah. My dad down in Florida, he lives in a high rise and uh, I was at this particular time when he moved there, I was having a moment with smart meters because I traveled a couple of times to little towns that were like just all on a grid of smart meters. <laughs> it just like ruined my life. I can't sleep. Like I have nightmares. My heart beats out of my chest. I'm super sensitive to smart meters. Well, most people probably are. They're so strong. So when my dad moved into this building, I was like, where's the meters in your building? Because in a lot of high reses, they have these like banks of smart meters. Mm -hmm. And so we found it. It was like in the laundry room and there's like, you know, 25 smart meters in there, meaning they have a digital readout, not the little analog spinning thing that grandma's house used to have. So he, we found a company, they came out and they tested them and they weren't emitting shit. They were fine. They're like a different kind of smart meter that they have to come read. Okay. They're not going to the, you know, the master computer 30 miles away and they're not like those beacons, you know? Yeah. So a, a guy still has to come in the building. So they weren't that strong. But my dad was like totally freaked out about after we found him, he probably lost sleep and got psychosomatically messed with, you know, because I was like telling him how bad these smart meters are. The guy came and tested, he's like, don't worry about it. And this is like a professional, you know, uh, mitigator of EMF. So anyway, I think yeah. I think that's good advice. Yeah. And even like if you live in a city and you have neighbors, like literally like behind the other the wall next to you. Um, like when I was measuring it in my home, my living room couch for some reason I I had this area right where I sit and what like if I was to watch like watch TV, it was like it was like super like almost through the roof levels. Like it was really high levels on the meter, and I was like, it's like I couldn't figure it out, and I kept moving the meter around. And it would go, then all of a sudden it would like go away, and I'd move it, it would go up, and then it would go away, and then I traced the wall behind me. And it was like this rectangle. And so then I kind of went over to my neighbors one time and I saw like, oh, their television is right against the wall, right? Oh, there. dude, that so, sucks. So they were, it basically, it was just blasting stuff right through the back, through the wall. Right, the walls are pretty right. thin in my building. And so, right. yeah, so you basically have to like move your couch. <laughs> Interesting, dude. Okay, cool. Well, that's good stuff. So then um, I want to cover, before we before we call it here, because we're, sure. we're just about out of time, but the last thing I think is I just want to know no, I'm sorry. Not last thing. I'm looking at my notes here. You're someone that's into infrared saunas like I am. And we both were in agreement before we recorded that clear light saunas are the best ones that you've been able to find that I've been able to find. So I just got one and something I just started doing just going down the rabbit hole was this um, niacin detoxing where you take niacin, you go in the sauna, then afterward you take activated charcoal or, you know, the seaweed extract, whatever. So have I looked on your site, it looks like you've been doing some of this niacin sauna stuff. How does that work and what have been the effects you've noticed from that? Like for, for like hardcore detox is why we do that, folks. Yeah, sure. So with regards to infrared saunas, there, there are different types, not, not so much even the name brands. It's um, you've got, you know, near infrared, far infrared or full spectrum and, you know, full spectrum, it, be, it just covers bands of the infrared spectrum they have different effects on the body in terms of some things will help more for detoxification, whereas other things will help like boost immune system. And so with a lot of those commercial um, units, the two things to really look for are, are kind of the levels of, again, EMFs that are being produced within them. Cause some of them have like there's Bluetooth in there and there's all sorts of stuff Then they can, you can have them customized, take them out. Um, and the second one is knowing how powerful it is across, if it says it's full spectrum and then it has these really tiny little heaters for the, the near infrared, let's say you're not really getting as much, whereas, um, other, other types might build bigger heaters that will get you the, right. The clear light ones are massive, dude. They're like yeah. three feet high. Yeah. You know, and then, <laughs> and then, but then like, you know, if you don't want to, 
whether you don't have space or you don't have the budget, like I, I built my own near infrared sauna for $120. You did? What, I, did you get those chicken lights or whatever? Well, yeah, I used a couple different types of, I mean, just, there's some that are repurposed from that kind of stuff. But yeah. There's also a couple of brands out there now that like, like Ruby Lux, they make these bulbs, but I basically bought these little portable clip on lamps that mm-hmm. those things work on the ceramic and can deal with and can deal with the, the temperatures of that. Uh, you know, a big power strip. I, I got this like, I guess it's basically like a shoe rack that I got off of Amazon and it's on wheels so I can move the thing around. And I, what I did was I clamped all the, I had four, I have four bulbs and they're clamped on in a pattern and I could just move it. So if I want to bring it into my, into my bathroom, I can like sit and like have it on me for as long as I want, or I can move it while I'm doing some other, like uh, if I'm training or doing something else while I, I want to have it on me. And so, you know, there are solutions out there. And again, that's, that's going to be just, that's just near infrared. Now the have you tested the EMF levels coming off those near infrared bulbs by chance? Yeah, I mean they're it's radiant heat, so uh, I mean I, again it's it's that inverse square law. You're not yeah. going to be. Uh, I'm usually. I mean you can't. They're hot, so like you can't get closer than oh, okay eight, ten inches from them. Like right, I mean right. they're, they're really hot. The bulbs themselves, like you're going to get burned if you uh, go like six inches or closer to them. Yeah, Damn. Yeah, the temperature wise, they get wow. pretty hot. Wow. But um, the experiment with the niacin was. I had uh, I'd done some testing that re- revealed that I had some high levels of uh, of um, some metals like uh, mainly mercury and lead. Damn it, me and, too. The lead. And, yeah, and so and you know what causes it? You know, there's millions of different theories. You know, like uh, mercury. You know, a lot of people say it can be from what you eat, seafood, and certain types of fish. And but lead can be it's in your bones, so it, it could be stuff that you accumulated like in childhood. It takes decades to get it all out of your system. So anyway, so my testing showed I had really high levels of lead and mercury. Like, I mean, like through the roof, like it was like off the, like they give you a little you know, guidelines of like, what, what it should yeah. be in Did the range. Did you do the challenge urine test? Yeah. Is that yeah. how you found out? Okay. Doctor's data. So there's some debate on the mercury side of it. Like people want to do these other tests. To, yeah. To test I just ordered the blood mercury one yep. recently, it, which I haven't t- taken it yet. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's one called like a tri test. And I think yeah. they do it three yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I then came across this protocol um, so they were saying like, you can, you know, with far, I, I, I've been doing some stuff with some infrared sauna, just very, you know, I had one at my gym. I could just kind of use it when I wanted to, but I, I found this protocol where it was, it was claiming to like within 30 days, just like clear out all sorts of toxins and errors in your body. Um, you know, there's like stories about like people who have, they would have like almost like a drug flashback at one point. If there's anything lodged still in your tissue, it would be released at some point during this and you know, you'd have whatever issues and um added bonus depending on what drug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, and, and, and so the way that the protocol works is you're, it's a 30 day program and you take a little bit of nice and let's say a couple hundred milligrams the first day and you're going to flush you, you basically want the flush to go away. You want to get past the flush then about 20 minutes before you go into the sauna. So let's say you do the flush you take the niacin, let's say two hours before you want to be in the sauna. So you take the niacin, you wait about 20 minutes before it, you go, go on a treadmill or an exercise bike or something just to, uh, just to get your circulation going. get, you know, you want to, you want to make sure you're ready to sweat when you get in there. So you're not wasting. So it. you just said, I've been doing it wrong. I've been, I've been doing the niacin flushing and then going in the sauna in the middle of the niacin flush. Well, there, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's, I don't it, know why it, I just like, still, probably didn't read the instructions yeah. right. And was well, just like, eh. there, I think the reason they say to wait is once you get past the flush, there's, um, like your pores and stuff have to have time to sort of open. And, and so you're actually doing the detox you want to make sure stuff can escape you can sweat stuff right, out and all right. that so okay um cool that's good but, to know so you you then, I could like jump on a rebounder 
or something so like, that's right yeah so that's what i would do i would I that's would, a, like the way in my house i get my heart rate up pretty fast I and mean, i guess i could do a bunch of push well, it's also good for your lymphatics it gets everything kind of stirred up yeah. and it's going so i would do uh like 20 minutes on like a treadmill or exercise bike just moderate just whatever and then i jump on a i jump on a vibration plate for whatever seven minutes eight minutes and then i would just go right into the sauna and i'd sit and uh, and they've recommended like they say you can go anywhere from like one to two hours the original program was actually not even infrared saunas it was traditional saunas dry saunas and they would have people sitting in those for like four to five hours a day wow. and um which is like no one has that much time so the yeah. infrared sauna is kind of a nice like you can cut the time down get the benefits so i'd sit in there i was probably averaging about an hour and a half a day so it's for every day for 30 days hour and a half in the sauna it gets pretty boring after a while um and then i would you know take a you'd supplement with a bunch of uh you know, things like magnesium, potassium, things that you, your body is going to get depleted. You want to make sure you're restoring all, all of that. And, um, and yeah, and you, every day you would up the amount of niacin. So let's say I started on day one with like 200 milligrams by like day 28, I was up to five grams. <laughs> oh my God, dude. So you can build up a tolerance that fast. Yeah. yeah your body will build. So you, 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 the flush, re- like the flush response will go away. So you have to take more and more. And then at the end, so that after 30 days, like you, you then have to taper afterwards. And then what you do is like, say I was at five grams at the end of it. Then I go 2,500 then 1250. And so then you kind of bring yourself back down to zero, kind of come off it. And I had concerns about like what, what effect would have on like liver and stuff and all of that. But when I retested my levels of lead and mercury, like dropped considerably. Oh. Um, I mean, still, it was still like higher than I want it to be, but it's like, but even from what it was, it like came down, which is great. And then, um, my, from blood work, I was like looking at all my liver markers and everything was like pretty dialed in. Um, and actually because I took all that niacin, niacin has effects on things like HDL, um, and, and cholesterol. So like my HDL levels actually went up, which is a good thing. So I was like, I was like a nice little side benefit was, uh, getting, getting that boost. Wow. And, um, but you know, it's, so I, you know, I still, I still use infrared saunas like pretty regularly. And, you know, I, I wouldn't do the, I think what you can maybe do is like, if you take like a week, maybe do something similar for like a week every few months just as like a to kind of re-up it a little bit. But like, I don't think you need to do the 30-day thing repeatedly. It's probably not right. the best for you. But One um, thing that I heard is that when you do the nice and flush or even just infrared saunas in general, it's a good idea when you get out to do like some glutathione or SOD or you know, like this. Uh, I have this stuff called biofilom. It's this kelp extract. I mean, they use it in Chernobyl to get radiation out of people. Really safe and effective. Um, you know, uh, that adsorbs toxins and stuff like that or activated charcoal. Have you, have you heard anything about that, that you're kind of like releasing all this shit into your bloodstream potentially by doing that? Oh yeah. You have to definitely, um, help your body to clear it out. I mean, we, you know, the normal ways we're going to get rid of stuff is you're going to sweat and stool. They're going to be like Mm -hmm. some, um, so activated charcoal is a, is a, you know, it's a good option for helping bind anything that's going to really bind things. Um, right. There was a, what was the other, I was using some other supplement um what was it but it was supposed to help with binding and all that but i i never ran into issues where was it pectin by chance like well uh, i was taking some uh i was taking pectin or apple pectin no 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 i was taking um uh well there's you take some lecithin because so the other thing is part of what happens during this process is the night the niacin and will create lipolysis so you're gonna actually burn fat it, um, it ruptures fat cells. Um, oh, sweet. 
but you're but I really could use some of that. well no but the thing is you don't want to lose weight or anything doing this so what you're, actually what you're trying to do is your fat cells store all the toxins in right them. so you're right. rupturing these these fat cells and through lipolysis and so what you want to be doing is replacing you want to bring good fats back in your body so when you rebuild like um your cells are rebuilding and all that you want to now use the good the good stuff right, right. um so that's kind of part of like what you, would you have to take there's a whole battery of like other little supplements you're supposed to be taking during this to help. Right. Is that on your site? If someone, yeah. you tracked all that? That's yep. cool. So yep. we'll, we'll definitely point to that in the show notes for people that want to maybe experiment with that. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, as we come to a close, give me like one or two experiments you've done that went horribly wrong, that you just like got sick or like <laughs> <laughs> that you totally fucked up. Oh, let's see. Um, well, I mean, there's there are definitely things that usually involve putting something on my head or shining something on my head, <laughs> um, experimenting with light and, and different frequency wavelengths of light. I, uh, you know, whether you're using like a red light or infrared, I, I was trying to stimulate different parts of, of my head, like kind of shining it on there. And if you tend to overstimulate, I can just totally scramble what's going on, but it's like a temporary thing. Though. So it's almost like I had this light on my head on me for a while. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm done. I felt energized and charged up. And then I went to like, I had to fire off some emails or something like that. And like, I had to take like a second look at what I had been typing because everything was jumbled. Like I couldn't even complete a word or a sentence and everything it scrambled things up a bit. Um, you know, in terms of like, you know, real fails, like I'm pretty good about really doing diligence on like, if I'm going to anything that could potentially put me in harm, I'm going to really kind of second guess if it's, you know, is it worth the risk for it? So, right. The things that go like the fails that happened are not like nothing that dramatic. No, like they're things that like maybe it's something I, I tried this, it didn't work. You know, it's oh, not okay. it's not that I, I put myself into like a you know, in a in a weird situation or um yeah, I've never, <laughs> you, you know, no so no hospital visits. You're no, smarter than I than that. That's all. I was I was ready for no. something like hardcore because dude, the shit you do on your site is like gnarly. Like I'll give I'll give you no, one. I mean I mean there's usually things like <clears throat> I've done things that, you know, can cause like yeah, your body can have a detox reaction, or you know, right. you get really sick for like a day, um, right. you know, or, you know, you throw up, or, you know, but so things like that. But they're not; they weren't serious things where I was like, you know, I could have killed myself. You um, weren't in a cast. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, I had two funny things that I could help you avoid in the future. One is I accidentally over. It was actually on a podcast. I did this, or five minutes before, is I OD'd on Yohimbi uh, HCL, like the really strong extract of Yohimbi. <laughs> And, oh. Yeah, and I live close to this hospital, Cedar Sinai, and I was very close to driving myself there. I thought my heart was gonna fucking explode. It was really, really wow. bad. Like not the one of the worst feelings I've ever had in my life. So that was my Yohimbi overdose. And then another time, I was doing um, some holotropic breathing, and uh, there's one part of it where you hold an exhale. And I had to do something in the kitchen, so I held the exhale. I was just telling someone this on a show last night that I recorded, but uh, I held the exhale, and then I went up into the kitchen, and I passed out. I just, like, absolutely out cold, head slammed on the ground, woke up, like, what the fuck? How did I get in here, you know? At least you're not one of those people who, like, were doing the breathing in the showers and like they end up like just people oh, like drown yeah, like yeah, yeah. they passed no, out passed no. out in a body and in, in the shallow water yeah and, like, yeah you cannot do breathing exercises in the water you no. do it before or after that's a yeah. word to the wise so yeah I, I i guess you know i'm the one that takes takes uh, some for the team sometimes all right my final question well not my final question of the show but my final question about everything you do have you ever looked at all this from you know a psychological point of view that um where there's a risk of being orthorexic about like paranoid about the food or like 
self-obsession to where like all you do is you're just tracking and looking at this and looking at that and you kind of forget to live your life. Have you ever, you know, looked at the balance and how to find balance with this as a hobby and something fun and interesting or something that takes you over where you can't have friends or it becomes pathological psychologically in any way? Yeah, I think my my attitude is I'm not letting the data sort of control me. Like I control, I'm in control of my data. I A lot of stuff I'm gathering, it's kind of like set it and forget it. I'm passively gathering information. You know, if I'm doing a certain type of experiment or trying to discover something, sure, I might have to do take some extra time to do it. But the whole point of all this isn't to create more work for ourselves. It's, it's eventually get the systems in place so that things are kind of there and it actually creates a, a it's almost like a, an optimization in itself. So I guess my personality type is I'm not that type of person who's like worrying about a million things. I'm, I'm kind of viewing it the opposite way. I'm like, I'm like, I want to be the best I can be. So it's not like I'm worried about, Oh, this, this is, if I do this, it's going to hurt me or, or whatever. I'm more like what, what's going to get me there. And, and then if there's eight, you know, if there's 10 things I'm doing and I know that there's two that get me 85% of the way there, then that for me, for a lot of things is good enough. Cause I'm like, that's, you know, I've created an optimization right there. I'm not having to track or do these 20 different. And that's when we talked about, like, if you have all these supplements and tools and all these toys, it's great. It's fun to use all this stuff, but then you're like, but what if you can boil it down to like, what are the two things that are really helping you? And then that's all you really need to use. The other stuff's fun. Sure. But it's not really, it's not, it's not moving the needle anymore. So, you know, but, it, but it's hard to figure out what those things are if you're just piling a bunch of stuff on. And So you got to take some time to look at the needle to see what's moving it, I guess. And that's what you've done. And then you have your site where you share this information with people and maybe like take the bumps out of the road for people that follow your work because they go, oh shit, he tried that. That didn't really make a difference. I'm not going to do that. Oh, he tried this other thing and it just crushed. So I'm going to adopt that without having to go through all the testing themselves maybe. Well, even better, like people will um, say, hey, I saw what you did. I changed, I changed these variables. I did it this way and I got this other result. And I was like, that's cool. Or maybe they'll give me, someone will say, you know, you're, you're, you could do this differently or better. Someone else might, you know, just take it and, or, or I've done it the other way. I've seen other people do experiments. I'm not inventing any of these hacks. Like yeah, <laughs> these are all yeah. things that I'm actually, I actually sponge off a lot of other people, but I'm not, and I'll say like, let me see if it works for me. And then just because like, let's say I, I, I try something and it doesn't, I, and I decide it doesn't really have much benefit to me. It doesn't mean it won't benefit you. It just means right. that's my personal experience because um, I'm never going to say like, you know, this thing, this totally sucks. You know, this one thing is, is it's useless for everybody. Cause I can't, I don't know everybody. I don't know yeah. everyone's situation. Yeah. Cool. That totally makes sense. Well, you seem like a very uh, centered, moderate guy. <laughs> it's like looking at all the stuff you do. I was like, this, this guy could be really weird in a good way, but actually you seem like a pretty balanced dude. You know, your energy's good. And mm. I think I go somewhat to the other extreme myself sometimes. I get like really obsessive about this stuff. And uh, I think maybe even sometimes acting out of a little bit of fear rather than the, what you're describing, which is just like going toward the positive, not like running from the negative so much. You know, I think that's a good yeah. perspective. And, it's just, and really it just all comes out of my own. It's just being, it's being a curious person and trying to, I just always try to understand how things work, try to understand things better. And, and it's that, it's that quest for knowledge that, um, you know, especially when you apply it to yourself, it's like, well, of course, then, you know, it's much more interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I think this stuff doesn't have to be overwhelming for people. It's, I think, you know, you can, there's a lot of great information out there, great, a lot of examples of what people are doing. And, 
you know, you can start simple. I mean, this isn't like all the things we're, we just covered. Like this is over a number of years. So it's not right. like I start. you know, you didn't I do woke this up shit one within day. the last month. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> yeah, wake yeah. up and say, you know, Hey, you know, we're going to, I deal, I'm going to do all this stuff this week. It's, it doesn't work like that. Right. Yeah. Cool, man. I love it. All right. So in closing, I got a three part question for you. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced you and your work and your life in general, even that you might recommend to the listeners? Three teachers. Yeah, it could be a book, philosophy, film, album, anything. Oh, man. Let's see. Three teachers. I'll say uh, I'm not like a really philosophical guy. so I could I'll be say, like a super geek doctor that's like the ultimate biohacker. Yeah. Any, I mean, anything in any yeah. in any. Well, uh, I'll say there capacity. was like, you know, growing up, like folks like uh, reading like Isaac Asimov and like, you know, got was like my science fiction sort of like mixed with reality kind of like got me, got me down that path. Um, I would say like, uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot of folks out there now that are just sharing so much information that like, I, you know, I'm gleaning, I'm gleaning stuff off all these folks and like, you've, you've mentioned a number of them already. So I'm not like, I don't think it's like any one person. I just think it's a collective body of knowledge of, of folks and then, uh, <laughs> I don't know, you know, and I would say anyone who's getting into this stuff for the first time, I, I, I think a lot of people probably were exposed to it. I mean, when, when Tim Ferriss did his four hour body, you know, it's a bit dated now, but that book kind of was everyone's first, like things maybe people were already thinking about or kind of doing, but they, um, just never had a word for it. Never really, it was a way to kind of bring some folks together under this kind of concept. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I guess the nothing too deep and philosophical. I don't. Hey, really that's have, all right. Uh, it doesn't have to be. You already, yeah. you already gave it to me. Uh, the yeah. first author you mentioned that I already forgot, and uh, I'm just gonna do it for you. I'm gonna say Tim Ferriss, and then I'm going to say the biohacking community at large, and then we got our three that's answers. Pretty much it. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool, man. That's great. And then uh, where can people find you and all the stuff that you're up to, social media wise, website, anything sure. you want to share, promote? So, now's your moment. Awesome. So website is quantifiedbob.com. And in terms of social media, it's pretty easy. It's uh, Instagram, Quantified Bob, Twitter, Quantified Bob, Facebook, Quantified Bob. Uh, or if you want to just connect with me uh, through other aspects, my name is Bob Troya, T-R-O-I-A, and you can find more about me and my background. Awesome, dude. Well, thanks so much for coming out today. I appreciate awesome. you taking the time running around the city here and stopping in to see me. It's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks so much. Yeah, great to meet you. And uh, and thanks for testing my headphones, too. I've been wanting to do that for a while. That was <laughs> that was like a dope added bonus for me. So I appreciate that, man. And cool. until, until next time, uh, I'm sure I'll see you at one of these biohacking conferences and we'll have to catch up. Awesome. Then. Thanks, great. man. Hey, thanks. Yo, was that bananas or what? Quantified Bob is the man. He's a smart dude, is he not? I learned so much and actually going back and listening to this episode to do the highlights and whatnot, I got reminded of a few things that I wanted to try that we talked about during this interview and then I never got around to doing so. This was inspirational for me coming into the new year soon, into 2018. And uh, 
to start to put some of this stuff to work, man, and really take it to the next level. So I want to thank you so much for joining me. It's been such an amazing year. We've got a million downloads under our belt, tons of new listeners, really fantastic guests. I've grown a lot as a result of doing this show. Everything that I've learned from every guest that's made any sense to me, I've immediately applied in my life. So thank you for coming along for the ride, for my journey, my own evolution. I trust that you're deriving benefit from it too. So we've got one last show before 2018 and that comes out on New Year's Eve. And that's a talk uh, that I did in Aspen, Colorado, a moment ago. Really funny yet, I think pretty deep conversation there for another bootleg broadcast, Luke Story, live from Aspen Shakti. So tune in to catch that. And then please don't forget to go in and leave us a review. It's really easy to do now on your iPhone. Just open up this podcast, The Lifestylist, in the iPhone podcast app and just put in five stars, say a couple kind words for your old pal Luke, and I would be forever grateful. Now, if you're not on an iPhone, you have to do that in iTunes, which is a little more complicated. But if you really feel like contributing something to the show and you're going to send me an email saying, hey, thanks, you know, thanks for doing what you're doing, you could take that same amount of energy and time and leave an iTunes review and, and it would probably benefit me more. Uh, although I love to hear from you too. I'm happy to get any kind of support I can get. But the, uh, the ratings and reviews are very meaningful. There's a reason why us podcasters always beg and grovel to get those. So we're up to a million downloads. My goal is to get up to at least another million by June 2018. So that's only six months away. So I want to get those ratings up and share this episode with as many people as you can. And my promise to you is that I will continue to bring the most chronic, life-changing, profound information that I can find in the world to you every single goddamn Tuesday. So thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in a couple days on New Year's Eve.